Hey punters and welcome to Tabs Inside 50. Nick Quinn joined by two absolute superstars. There's handsome men, premiership medallions and Brownlow's left, right and centre. Jimmy Bartel and Shane Crawford. Jimmy, welcome back. Thanks, Quinny. Uh, look, uh, ISO's already hit you hard. Uh, you can't get to the barbershop yet. You need a cut and colour, don't you? A little bit of a touch-up required on the side of the hair. A couple of the silver foxes just starting to creep through. Do you through. do it yourself, like just for men style, like in the shower? No? No. Oh, you actually go to a, Cost a hairdresser to... Bit of oh, boot really? polish. Do you know Hutchie? This is true. Uh, Craig Hutchison, <laughs> we're at Channel 9 there for a while. Remember he's trying to grow his hair and he went with some type of a rug, but he used to have, like, hair in a can and used to spray <laughs> just before he went on and just touch up any little <laughs> shiny patches. And it was, yeah, it used to sit there. And I used to think, oh, at Channel 9 wardrobe, is that for Bert Newton? Because he used to have, like, this hair piece that he'd whack on. But, uh, no, it was Hutchie's little... Uh, hair in a can. Replace your divots sort of thing. We, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Why not? Give it a try, especially if you want to sort of touch up a few colours. No, it was, yeah, it's always interesting when you go into, especially from a Channel 9 point of view, you go into the makeup room and, and everyone's got their little uh, area. So much so that I get to a stage now, I just, um, I just go on. Just be natural, Quinny. Whatever flows, just let it go. <laughs> I can't go grey yet. I'm not competent enough to make mistakes. Mate, I get Richard away with Gere, it. just think yeah. of Richard Gear. You know, the biggest sex symbol in the world. He was there for a while with his grey hair. Um, who are the other grey ones? Uh, and George others. Clooney. George Clooney. There you go. Silver Fox. Okay. And and others. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see if we can get this in the sounding board, this little segment on the great Craig Hutchinson doing the spray on hair. So hopefully Damien Barrett can just work that in next week and all of a sudden. Well, he probably uses it himself, Damo. Yeah, because uh, he's he probably got a few dibbits there to rip. <laughs> great man that he is. We'll leave that one right there. Now, it's going to be a massive weekend of footy. And Friday night is the highlight. The GWS Giants, their back's against the wall. They need a win. Ooh. And they're up against Richmond, who all of a sudden are back in town on the back of three straight wins. We're going to talk about that game in great depth and hopefully get a winning tip off you, Croft. But first, we're going to go down memory lane. We're going to talk about a time in your career when you were playing for a side that they had their backs against the wall and how they responded. And, Jimmy, we're going back to round six, 2007 for you. And this is what happened. Bouncing it to the square. Chance for Geelong. Bartel's done everything tonight. Is again. So why not add your name to the goal-kicking list? He becomes their 14th goal-kicker. They cross the 200 mark. Good take-off here. Good run by Mooney. Kick's going to make him work. Can. Time for a party trick. Towards Ling. He's got rid of Dorito. Oh, big mark from Big Red. For goal number 35 tonight for Geelong. Ling kicks his third. As it stands right now, this is the eighth highest score in the history of the game. Well, Mark Thompson and his team can take a bow. That audio thanks to Fox Footy. Yeah, well, it doesn't sound like backs against the wall when you hit 30, <laughs> 35 goals kicked and big red kicking his third. I think he had a tagging role on Brett Delidio there. But uh, the reason why it was backs against the wall was uh, the previous round, round five, we played the Kangaroos and we got beaten down at, uh, oh, I can't remember who was sponsoring us at that stage, uh, Kidinia Park. So I think it's GMHBA these days. Um, but we, we played in a in a preliminary final 2004. We played in a semi-final, the bloody Nick Davis game as it's been referred to these days <laughs> against the Swans. Missed, missed the finals 06 and there was still a lot of expectation on, on this young group of uh, cats, which I was a part of. 
and we were just spluttering, um, you know, five rounds in, and the, the newspapers and the TV and everywhere came for us. It's like, nah, uh, burn it down, restart, uh, sack the coach. Give up. Give up, get rid of the list. And there was not only a double page, there was a double, double page on the Cats. So they had four pages dedicated to the Cats all week. Um, one of them was the big team shot uh, with crosses above everyone's head and question marks and things like that. So... Everyone was coming for us. Uh, the Cats were no good. And if we'd lost against the Tigers, well, I think that would have been the end for a lot. It would have just been senior players out. Young players will just play around in different positions. And we'll find out what we've got and just see the year out. But we came out and kicked 35 goals against the Tigers. Um, we had nine All-Australians that year. We won 15 in, out of the last 16, won a premiership by a record margin. And out of those uh, crosses, I think six of them, end up being All-Australian that year. So we definitely had our backs against the wall. And being down in Geelong as well, they'd been starved for success as well. So the heat was on us, and I don't think you can respond in a better way. I think you might have had the Brownlow medal that year as well to the club. I did win the, the Brownlow in, in 2007, but uh, <laughs> at that stage we were just hoping to get a win. What was the week like on the back of that North Melbourne loss? And as you said, the whole world was coming for you. Did the players band together? Was it tense? Was it stressful? And how long into that Richmond game did you think, oh, my goodness, we're on here? Well, straight after the Kangaroos game the, the weekend before, you know, Paul Chapman's um, comments went through the media, you know, we've just got to be better and, you know, we're sick and tired of this. But it was actually a pretty robust and direct meeting. But I remember a senior player that time, Darren Milburn, uh, just you know, hit home for me, said, I don't have time to waste for you guys to get better. I, I need you, all you young group, which was Lingy's draft with Joel Corey and Corey Enright, and my draft with Junior, Kelly, Johnson, and myself. Um, I need all you guys to be better now because I can't waste another year of my career because I'll be finished. And then also the Geelong public, it's a football mad place. There's 40 local football clubs down there. Like it is... <laughs> Everyone is associated with a football and netball club at, at some point where they play or they go along and watch. And remember, they went through 89, you know, the greatest grand final ever, the three grand finals in the 90s, had some other finals heartache, and they just thought, oh, this is just another Geelong side that's just going to come and go. So um, there was huge amounts of pressure, but I still remember Bomber Thompson, and this was um, great for the playing group. He, we'd been trying to work on this new attacking style all year, all pre-season, sorry, and he goes, right, well, they all think we're no good anyway, so we might as well be no good trying to play the way we want to play. So <laughs> what, do, what do you think? Or we can try and copy every other club for every other week and still be no good. What do you want to do? And it was just like the players went, oh, yeah, that's not a bad point. Well, if, if they're going to bag us and think we're no good, we might as well do it our way. So that, that gave, actually, it sounds funny, it gave the, the group a lot of confidence. That win, 157 points, though, when you needed it most. How far into the game did you think we're really on today and how far into the game did you see the Tiger spirits just to break? Uh, to be honest, the first five or six minutes. Um, I think we kicked five or six in the first five minutes, but it was just a real physical sort of edge to the group. It wasn't, you know, when they say, Croft, you know, oh, we put a line in the sand, the, the Dermy Burton sort of stuff, you know, and go out and um, break the rules. It was just the right sort of edge to it. Like, you see the way players were attacking the footy, the tackles were just going into the ground. There was a, an aggressiveness in the way we moved the ball too. Like it was, right, intercept, let's just go. Let, let's just take the game on. Let's just play with some excitement and play with our strength. So, yeah, I think in the, you get that sense. In the first five or six minutes, you go, yeah, I, something pretty good's going to happen today. And that one win did really catapult the season. Would a lot of teams maybe be trying to drill that message to their players now if they've had a couple of frustrating losses, even GWS, who are a team with so much upside that, again, have been a bit stop-start so far in 2020. 
the realisation that it's not that far away from happening. You've just got to look back to Richmond in 2017. Yeah, it can turn really quick, Quinny, and it, it sometimes players just need to see it and you know feel it. So uh, when it, one or two times it happens, you come in at quarter time, you can feel the playing group going, yeah, that, that's it. And then at halftime, the coaches are just the, – the messages get smaller and smaller and smaller. It's just more rinse and repeat sort of stuff. And then when you have the Monday review – the edits, instead of guys who aren't running away from a stoppage or not making the right decision, they're just full of, you know, positive reinforcement uh, sort of stuff. So that that actually brings up the group really quickly, and then you get this really um, happy vibe around the football club. And then play, players who are missing out are, are training even harder because they want to be a part of it. And then players who are in the side are going, "Geez, I've got to get even better because everyone wants to be in my spot." So it just creates this big uh, momentum shift in the club. You played in three premierships. Was the first one in 2007 your favourite? Um, it's all, uh, they say it's pick your favourite. I'm lucky enough to be pick and it's like picking your favourite kid. You, you say you all love them equally, but you, you do love one better than others. <laughs> um, I, I think 2011, uh, I actually know, I'll change that. 2009 for me was just a touch sweeter. I just think after Cross Hawks were too good for us uh, in 2008, again, you know, people thought, oh, if you don't win another one, it's a waste of talent, all that sort of stuff. And just the way the game was played, um, it was just a it was a dead set wrestle for two hours. And, and, the, and the Saints were good. Yeah. That, that was their chance. But unfortunately, they get Geelong on a rebound after a you know, disappointing grand final the year before. And you could see that mental edge. You could see the real drive in the Geelong players. So unfortunately for all those Saints supporters, if Geelong – Maybe have snuck, or not snuck, won the year before. Maybe they don't have that mental edge in St Kilda finally get the flag they've been dreaming of for a long time. So it's it's so such a fine line, it really is, and, and it can really sway one way or the other. I call that the forgotten grand final 2009. I don't think it gets the recognition it deserves. It just probably came on the back of some crackers either side. And yeah, well, I think because it was pouring rain and it wasn't what you, know, you showcase the game. But, yeah, to further cross point, then you probably think, Again, the Saints missed out, but then 2010, Collingwood were raging favourites, but they got St Kilda off a rebound grand final. Swans knock over the Hawks, and then the Hawks just absolutely destroy the competition for the next three years. So, um, you know, losing one, you never want to lose one, but it can be a good motivating factor. It can help, and it's been a tough period if you want to listen to this podcast as a St Kilda supporter, because we're (laughs) going to go down memory lane again and talk about another heartbreaking (laughs) Saints defeat. All the way back to round 12, 1999, and this is a bit of the audio here. There's the siren, and that does cap one of the most remarkable Hawthorne victories I have seen. That is a remarkable victory. Just the exuberation on every player's face. And that's what you play footy for, any competitive sport collective basis so you can share the memories of a victory of this year. Croft, yes, 63 points down. What happened next? Uh, well, it wasn't the start we were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember, obviously, the match very, very well because, obviously, it was a huge margin to come back, 63 points. Um, and St Kilda just smashed us. They were physical. They were trying to knock my head off. Um and it wasn't until a few years later, till Spider Everett came to our football club, I said, hey, that St Kilda match, I said, you guys are trying to knock my head off, like virtually everywhere I went. And he said, yeah, Tim Watson, who was a coach at the time, he circled your name and said, take him out of the game. So um, so they were just playing, they were so aggressive. Uh, they went at the footy and they were, they were running carry and 
And then our team was okay. So we playing at Waverley, we liked playing there. We liked the big spaces. And and you talk about courage on the field, but you've got to have courage to take the game on. And that's why Geelong was so good. They get the ball through the middle. And they got good skills. But you'd always see across half forward, they'd all wheel and go. They'd play with fast football, which requires courage to come through the middle, but also courage to to wheel and go and move the ball nice and fast. So that's pretty much what we did. We just said, let's let's take the game on, boys. It might be over now, but let's just try and get some scores on the board. Uh, let's just try and get ourselves back into it. Never did we think we were going to win. Um, and it wasn't till you know, you got players like Nick Holland marking the footy, slotting through, the game opened up, and then all of a sudden you could see St Kilda were, what do we do here? Do we... Do we zone a few more numbers back? Do we uh, just find a way to just to, to stop the the run on? Because once you get a bit of a run on in AFL football, momentum it it really is hard to stop at times, and that's why you you need an injury, you need the ball to disappear for a while, you need you know halftime, quarter time to come to actually stop that momentum because it is it's as Jimmy was saying, once you get your confidence up and and your mojo and the connection. Very, very hard uh, for the opposition to stop, especially when you've got a side that's capable of playing good footy. So, Crow, if you even if you kick four goals in a row, you're still 39 points down. Was there one goal in particular? You mentioned Nick Holland. Did he slot one from the pocket or was it Daniel Harford giving an aeroplane no, no, or something like that? They're just no, really... Nick Holland, um, he was really good at clunking a few marks. Um, had a, an ungamely kicking action, but, he's actually, but he was actually pretty good at mm. slotting him through. So... I just remember, um, you know, it was a very even performance. If you look back through statistics and that, it was a real even performance, whereas obviously early on in the game, there was no performance from everyone. Everyone was very lacklustre. So um, never were we thinking about winning, not until you sort of get within maybe a goal. Do you think, hey, hang on, we're a chance to get ourselves back. But uh, never did we think about sort of the winning side of thing. And I actually, when we won and pretty much – well, you could argue, oh, did it end Tim Watson's career, you know, because St Kilda after that really dropped away. And to lose a match when you're 63 points up, that is, that takes all the air out of your football club and out of you as a player. And it must have really smashed their confidence. But back then when I was uh, the captain, I used to get the guys, we'd sing the song, which was an old schoolboy thing I did at Assumption College. We'd link arms, we'd sing the song Walking Off, which a lot of players didn't want to do it. <laughs> but I'm like, do you know what? You go inside, you sing the song. Supporters don't get to see it. Let's show, you know, how we, we're all together and we're linked up. So there's a, a good photo of us all arm in arm walking off singing the song. And that was a, a great memory for me because it just showed no matter what, you know, gets thrown at you, no matter how big the obstacle, if you work together, and that's the most important thing, if you work actually as a team and understand what everyone has to do and just do your bit. Like don't rely on one or two players to dominate. It's just do your bit. It was great satisfaction. And so much so the supporters loved when we used to link up and sing because it was a way for them to actually sing with us and embrace the football club. But that was uh, that was changed and and no one's doing that these days. So maybe we need to call for that to come back because it's, it's all about – like the supporters make you want to play. You run out there, you hear them cheer, they're there through thick and thin. You know, right now Hawthorne is struggling – they need their supporters backing them in, saying, oh, well, don't worry. We've had a lot of high times. Right now we're, we're in a rut. So 
this is when you've got to support your club more than ever. So what was keeping you going? What was the Just, motivation uh, to respect, keep chasing? Respect yep. for each other, respect for the jumper. Um you know, just trying to get a bit of scoreboard pressure. It's amazing. Like these days, it's – and one thing that used to frustrate me, and I'm sure it would frustrate uh, Jimmy as well, is your defenders do great work. Your midfield works really hard. You go forward, you get an easy shot on a goal, and you miss. And, uh, like, it just deflates you. So um, we just needed to – you just need to make sure that – give your forwards an opportunity, try and get them in the best possible position. But scoreboard pressure is everything these days. You've got to make the most of your opportunities. And at that time, we were struggling to get the ball inside 50, but when we did, we just weren't hitting hitting the scoreboard. So take your opportunities. You look at GWS at the moment, they're not having a lot of inside 50s yet. They're still being highly competitive. So look out for the competition once they sort of fix all that because they're going to get a few more shots at goal and they've got players extremely capable of kicking a scary score. Well, let's talk about GWS in action this Friday night against Richmond. A massive game. The game of the round for mine because the Giants, not only this season have they looked great in parts and not so great in other parts, even in the same game we've seen it. I thought they were so good in the second and third quarter against Brisbane on the weekend but started so slowly and the most disappointing aspect for mine was they went missing when the game was to be there to be done. Jimmy, you're very close to the club. Mm. How do you assess the you season so club, far? You run the club, let's be honest. Jimmy <laughs> runs the club and he'll probably coach the club down the track. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> what do you mean? How am I going to coach them? That's a good point. We'll get to that in a sec. <laughs> you ever want to coach? Uh, I thought about it a bit. Yeah. But, but it means I don't get to spend uh, my weeks with you gentlemen, so. No, but like, you can like, still come but, in, but that's if fine. It's, <laughs> if it's within, you know, so from a coaching point of view, like if you're going to coach, you, you want to go and have a couple of years as an yeah. assistant just to, to do really fine-tune, you know, the way you want to go about it, but also your support crew and, and how you'd actually attack it. So is that... That's obviously uh, no. Well, when it's I, in your thinking. No, well, when I left the game, um, no, I had no no passion to coach, and you've got to be passionate about it. They spend a ridiculous amount of hours reviewing the game. They're just looking at computer screens. I, I never had that passion when I left, but probably the more time I've spent out of the game, I've probably gathered a bit more interest in it. But it, it's still just an interest at the moment, and uh, the way the footy world's going at the moment, I don't think there's any coaching jobs going for quite some time. You don't have to, like, I know a lot of AFL football uh, coaches and assistant coaches more so than ever watch more footage mm. than ever. But one thing that I think goes missing is you just got to, sometimes you just got to concentrate on what you can do really well. You know what the opposition do and, okay, their style of play and you know they're good players, but sometimes you just got to go, okay, what do we do really well? And let's let's focus on, you know, getting the best out of ourselves because, there's nothing worse than going into a game when you go, okay, you're going to come up against Jimmy Bartell. He's red hot at the moment. He's kicking goals. He's doing this around stoppages. He likes to drift to the left side. And so you're going in with a negative mindset. It's like, hang on, what, what pump me up first? Oh, your running capacity. This is what you can maybe get on top from. So make sure you, you really zip out of the, the congested areas. And so sometimes I think too much information is not a good thing. So just a couple of key points on the opposition, but you've got to build your own players up. Give them confidence to take the game on. You know, back yourself in. Worry about your own game because if you're getting the footy, you're starting really well, they're worrying about you. You don't have to worry about them. You just keep doing what you do and and try and, you know, once again, put that scoreboard pressure on. So I think we can over – you can overcoach, you, you can overanalyze, um, and it can have a, a negative effect. We saw Michael Voss and Nathan Buckley go straight into head coaching jobs. Do you think we'll see that again? James no. Hurd as well. Yep. 
No, not anymore. Um, they've almost put a program in place now, and if it's not written in stone, I think nearly every club's uh, have templates. They they like even they like um, coaches to be at other clubs. I know the uh, the herd one straight to Essendon and Buckley at Collingwood. They're, they're unique, um, but you watch a, a lot of senior coaches have been at other clubs, whether their playing career or then their coaching career. Because you, you get you get more experience, and that's what I noticed when I, I left footy, and I don't know about you, Shane, but when, when you go along to the football, it, it sort of reaffirms a lot of things that Hawthorne would have taught you and Geelong would have taught me, but it also opens up your thinking, watching just watching other teams and, and things like that, understanding, oh, yeah, I don't mind what, for me, I don't mind what the Hawks do when they come out of the back line. I, I don't mind how the Eagles set up, you know, forward of the footy, that sort of stuff. So I think it's important for them to get uh, just little bits of exposure. I, I don't think we'll see too many of the, the Buckley, Herd, Voss situations happen anymore. So would you take an assistant coaching job? Me? Uh, <laughs> You're involved with the Giants. Yeah, I mean... So, so would you go to Leon Cameron, hey, do you know what? I've, I've got the desire. Put me on as an assistant. No. Because I'm sure he'd jump at the opportunity. Well, at the moment, I'm, I'm happy just being involved in the Giants the way I am. Down the track, would you see yourself assistant coaching? <laughs> we don't even know what's happening in footy in the next eight weeks, Quinny, so we'll just see what happens for the rest of the Which year. Melbourne team, if you could pick a team <laughs> to go and help, maybe the Blues. The Blues would be a good little fit, I reckon, over the next few years. They're on the way through. Yeah, yeah don't, don't know. We'll just see how the season goes. But you keep shutting it I'm down. I'm You're the back. I, I reckon, <laughs> I reckon, <laughs> I reckon we'll go to coach right here. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that you're burnt out. Like, when, when you're in – the AFL bubble and and Jimmy played for a long, long time, and so did I. And it's you're drained, you're cooked mentally, physically. You're like, okay, I need to step away. And you see different coaches come through. You know the pressure they're under, and even as players, we question, okay, why are we doing this? You know, is this really going to work? So at times, you even question the coaches' philosophies and um, yeah, and certain things and certain drills. So you can always put your own spin on it, but. Once you step out of for a little while and you smell the roses and and get out of the bubble, it's great that, you know, like, because he, he was a superstar. So if Jimmy Bartell could put his hand up to say, do you know what, I want to be an AFL coach. And, like, all the clubs would jump at the chance to grab Jimmy and have him as an assistant, and then he could work out from there whether or not he wants to be that AFL coach moving forward. The big negative would be the drop in money, though. I mean, you look how money, <laughs> much money you'd be making in the media now. And, I mean, you'd love to be a dollar behind him. And assistant coaches aren't overly paid, <laughs> no, so it'd be not. a lifestyle Well, they might make an exception with him. Uh-huh, you know? don't, know, don't know about that. Not with the way the budget is going. Are we talking about the Giants? Hey, you, can you, I, can you, I, you two eggs have been carrying on. No, hey, You've made take... absolutely something out of nothing there. <laughs> Adam Simpson, when he retired, yes. um, I remember having a conversation with him um, when he just stepped out of footy and he said, I want to coach, I want to get into coaching. And I said, Mate, you need to ring Alistair Clarkson up right now. Um, you need to tell him that you want to go there. I said, I'm telling you, you'll learn a great deal. He'll give you a different perspective. And so within a week, he was appointed uh, assistant coach at uh, Hawthorne, and he was there for four or five years or whatever. And now he's at West Coast. So I still, I'm still waiting for him to call up and say, hey, yeah. thanks for tipping me <laughs> because yeah, I've that. now got my West Coast job. And if you ever want to come over and be a part of the coaching panel, that hasn't come yet. But um, – Great initiative. Maybe Jimmy Bartell's the man. Are we talking about the Giants and, and Tigers? The irony of you wanting to bring up how GWS is going <laughs> to escape these bounces coming at you. All right. 
The Giants, how can they bounce back this week? Oh, I think Croft's hard to touch on it a bit. They, they need to just provide a bit more opportunity for their forwards. Their forwards have shown when they get it in there, they're dangerous. They're probably the most dangerous when it gets inside forward 50, but 28 inside forward 50s is not enough. I think they start to, uh, well, the players start to tidy up around the contested stuff, the, the clearances, and with Tim Taranto back in, they, they got that right, but just play with a bit more speed, a bit more aggression, and um, one little factor, they haven't been closing out quarters really well um, for you know, top eight, top ten sides. Uh, you finish off the court as well. You know, red time goals. They they give up too many goals at the moment. Um, but look, they're they're just going at the moment. They they got big improvement from everyone. They they're not out of it. They've beat Collingwood. They had uh, two wins in a row, and they had a they had a bad week. I think people are really quick to just expect the Giants to win every week. You know, when they don't win, it's always they weren't you know, horrendous last week. Nah, just nah. the Lions just jumped them early and then sort of had control. So they they weren't horrendous, but. Yeah, there just seems to be a few missing pieces. They've lost to the Lions and Port Adelaide, first and second, and not playing great footy, like not playing to their full potential. Yeah, so if they'd won one of those games, all of a sudden they're right on track. But it's mm. a big game this week. It's because if they game. do lose mm. to Richmond, then all of a sudden top it's eight's going to be a grand final rematch. They were embarrassed in the mm. grand final. Like, unfortunately, they had nothing left for the grand final. And you don't want to carry those scars for a long, long time. So there'll be a lot of hurt. Um, that will be shown on the weekend um, by their actions. So I'm expecting a really big response. They have a pretty fit list compared to Richmond. So that's a massive advantage, especially with the talent they got on. Their midfield connection at the moment isn't ideal, you know, um, some of their stoppage work at times. Taranto's a massive in. Um, I knew he was a good player. I didn't realise he was so important, even watching some of his work last week. Green comes in. Maybe it's time for Green to come up. He's played midfield before. Maybe just for the next few weeks, just get just get that angry little man zipping <laughs> around. But as long as they've got structure to them and they're not ball watching and, and not all being attracted to the footy and a bit of dash and dare, they've got great skills. I, I just want them to take the game on a bit. I, I, think, I think they can win. I do against the Tigers just because season's sort of on the line. Um Respect from the grand final. They'll want to make a statement. Fit list. Green comes back in. There's a lot of real key pieces. They were a bit undisciplined last week, and I, I think Leon Cameron needs to be harder. I've, I've thought this for a while. I, I just think when you're giving away silly free kicks and um, you're being undisciplined, I reckon you've got to penalise the player. And um, what was his name? Keith. Uh, Keith. Lockie Keith, yeah. Mm. Gave away. He, he wasn't thinking about the team last week. Gave away a 50. I think did it result in a goal. Yep. If I was coaching, and I think if Jimmy Bartell, when he takes <laughs> up coaching of the Giants or the Blues or whenever he decides to take that coaching role, I, I would take him off and I'd look him in the eye and I'd tell him exactly what I thought of him and I'd say, guess what? You're not going back on. I, I think that's what needs to happen. It should happen with any undisciplined players, even though you get frustrated, I know. But that's what has to happen because what happens as soon as you allow someone to get away with it a touch or think, oh, well, just a brain fade, that costs the team. One goal can cost the team winning a grand final or making a grand final or making finals. So you've got to stamp that straight out. You've got to smack that discipline right between their eyes. So much so, even make a statement and go, guess what? Really undisciplined. I hated it. I'm not going to play you this week. Or even take them off the ground and, and make a real visual statement that it's unacceptable. I just think they've got to get real tough on the undisciplined stuff because the games are shorter, they're tougher, 
Uh, you can't give starts to opposition sides and you definitely can't give away 50s at resulting goals. And for those that don't know the incident you're referring to, there was a contest and he gave away a free kick. Was it a free kick? I don't think it was, but that's not the point. But then he got the ball and threw it away in disgust and the umpire said, well, you can't do that. That's 50 metres. So... That just did show a little bit of lack of discipline and coming back to those points that you speak of. I, and and it, it's coming from me and someone who got extremely frustrated out <laughs> on the field and, and verbally sometimes I'd go at the umpires. Normally I'd look away, but I'd say what I thought of them. <laughs> I actually got reported saying that once. So I looked away and I told him what I thought um, using some interesting words, but he was on the, <laughs> the, the, the back of me. And then obviously I got reported and I think I got a week. So I understand it's frustrating and, it, and you want to do your best. And, and when you get people restraining you and, and, you know, especially being tagged and stuff like that, you get frustrated. So I understand you lose the plot, but it's not, a, it's not about you. It's about the team. And that's one thing that Alistair Clarkson, and he was an angry little man when he played and he played on the edge, but that's one thing that he really – he wouldn't tolerate. So if he didn't deal with you straight away, he would deal with you in a way that you learnt and you wouldn't do it again. Croft put away the board games. The AFL is back. And so is the Tab Same Game Multi where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Victoria, New South Wales and ACT Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858. Some big games this weekend. We're going to take a look at some of them now. Saturday afternoon, Carlton. They haven't beaten North Melbourne since 2014 and they haven't been favourite against them since 2012. But the market firmly with the Blues against the Kangaroos. How demoralising would that loss against Brisbane have been last week for the Blues? And do you expect they will bounce back and take the four points against the Kangaroos? Oh, I think that I think the Blues will. And you, you highlighted the fact they haven't been favourites, but they they haven't been a good side for that long. So I, I think if you put that up against the other seventeen sides, or you know the another fifteen other sides, they probably wouldn't have started favourite against that, <laughs> that fifteen as well. And this is a different Kangaroo side they're playing. This is not. A kangaroo side that's challenging uh, for finals, even though they they say they will. But um, you look at Carlton's losses; they've all been sort of learning losses. So you know they've lost by I think two points, three points after the siren, and it's all just down to just little learning, teaching things. Ideally, you want to learn them while you win. But they would have been going Monday or Tuesday with a review with David Teague and the coaches, going, "What do we do next time?" Now they're they're going to hurt now. But in a year or 18 months or next time they get in that position, this will set them up really well. I, I know as a young Geelong side, um, we spoke earlier about the bloody Nick Davis game. We only really just highlighted the stoppage. Now, next time we got into a big game and it was close, everyone knew exactly where to be. And we didn't get beaten in that in that way again. And it would have happened with you, Crawford. You, you lose a game like that. And it's just one or two and it's attention to detail. It's nothing to do with effort, skill. Coaches can be really happy, but... Um, so Mick Gibbons, halfback flank, kicks it long down the line, does the right thing, keeps it close to the boundary line. You've got three Carlton tools there, and Tom Jonas is able to mark uncontested. And that's just a simple learning thing, and it mightn't seem like much, but if Jonas doesn't mark and the ball goes out of bounds, well, then you can set up. You can, there's another 30 seconds off the clock, and the game's iced. You win it. You get everyone nicely set up behind the ball. It's just learning things like that. But I've, I've seen enough from Carlton where that they're – they're becoming a more mature side. So when opposition's coming at them, they're not getting lots of goals kicked on them. You could look back at the last five minutes and Port Adelaide probably should have won it a bit earlier. Robbie Gray missed one. He gave one to Tom, uh, Todd Marshall at oh. the top of the goal square <laughs> who shanked it. The big Chaz, 
He he missed one. And what, what, what about <laughs> strange with Dixon though going off for the blood rule and then they never got him back on. Was he concussed? He was exhausted. He was yeah. exhausted. But uh, that for me is unforgivable missing a shot for goal as a key forward from that position. I, I still don't understand how players miss from 10, 15, 20 metres directly in front. I, I just don't know how it's possible. Like an AFL professional footballer, that's like giving um, you know a soccer player the ball and saying, no goalkeeper there, just slot it in. I'm getting to a stage where I just think it's unforgivable. They, ha- I, I don't know. Like every player should be capable of doing that. And yes, pressure, fatigue, but teams train for that. You, you just should not miss an opportunity at all, really, when you're in that position. It should be just like clockwork. Turn up, have momentum, through the ball. What is it, seven metres yeah. between the goals? Seven metres is a long way. Like some houses aren't seven, like seven metres wide. That's the long way to miss from 15, 20 metres. I think it's unforgivable these days. Can the kangaroos bounce back and show something? I think they'll show something. Um, but I just think Carlton have probably got too many options a- across the ground. I- I'm worried about, uh, for the kangaroos, the the big tools for Carlton, even though um, Mackay uh, might play on Mackay this week. Uh, he-, he bobbed up and played a-, a pretty good game. Josh Walker's in some pretty good form for the kangaroos and, and Tarrant. So they can cover it. But uh, I just think... Injuries to key players. The Kangaroos are one side where their top is really good. Got some really good top-end talent. They're just waiting for their young talent to just come up and close the gap. I'm not saying they're not good, but with young talent, you just have inconsistencies with not, not only week to week, but quarter to quarter. So um, I, I just think Carlton are just a bit more even across the board. The other big game I can't wait for this weekend is Brisbane up against Melbourne. The Lions, a genuine premiership contender, and Melbourne on the back of two very impressive wins and Christian Petrarca and Max Gorn, two of the form players of the competition, all of a sudden could put themselves right back in the finals hunt with a victory. Well, I'll leave this to Croft because I did see his comments during the week uh, about Christian Petrarca. <laughs> Do you like him? I, I love the way he's playing. Yeah. yeah, He's one guy who's benefited this year, and hopefully this is not just a a one-season sort of thing. I hope this is just what we're going to see from Christian Petrarca because we we love the the way he plays, don't we? He takes the game on. You, you mentioned courage. He's willing to wheel and go. He takes the tackler on. I think he's finally understood what his body can do a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, if I step through a stoppage, what's the worst? Someone's going to hold on to my jumper? Like, he's a, he's a big, big man. Like he, he, he's <laughs> drawing two or three players yeah. towards him. So it is opening gaps. Like, Hawthorne looked like a very average side on the weekend, which... I know for a long time they really they really uh, pride themselves on holding position and, and structuring up really well. They they made them look like a, an Oz kick side, or he did when he had the footy and some of the stuff. And there was one bit of play where he got the footy, he was running full pelt, Tom Scully's right beside him. Within five metres, he had three metres. Mm. The explosiveness that he's got and just the damage that he's doing in the areas that he gets the footy and the people that he's drawing towards him opposition-wise – He's, he's in rare form. He really is. And what, one thing I've loved from Simon Goodwin, he said, hey, he has taken his training to the next level. And that's what it is. You've got to train hard. You've got to be consistent. And he's been really consistent. And you've got to remember, he's been playing with Melbourne this year. And Melbourne up until two weeks ago, going forward for Melbourne, no one wants to play in that forward line. But he has been an absolute shining light. So imagine if he was playing in a Brisbane side. He'd be leading the goal kicking with 50 goals. <laughs> like, that's the type of damage he's doing. And now he's working with Max Gorn through the middle, going, where do you want it? So they're definitely in this game. They've got a massive chance. The concern I have with Brisbane, Brisbane are a great side and I love watching them. They still, as the ball goes forward, they're having a lot of their midfielders pushed 
to have an influence on the school board. And I think there's too many. <laughs> like, because remember, only one can really kick the goal. Maybe two can influence the contest as a front and square. But at the moment, it's they've got a license to really charge, which is great for footy. But I just worry when you come up against a side who can actually put a bit of pressure on, get the ball back and use it okay. Not that Melbourne have been doing that up until the last few weeks. That's my little concern with them. But it's great watching them because they just go and they really back in their system. Christian Petrarca into $11 to go on and win the Brownlow. It should be $26 two to one. a fortnight ago. <laughs> I think Croft's had some of his Okay, Jimmy. Oh, well, this would be interesting. Jimmy, who, if you had to put, say, your top four players in the league right mm. now, who and, and take let's just take GWS out of it because right. we know yep. you've got a connection there. Um, but top four players in the competition, top three, top two, who would that be? Oh, on current form, you'd have... On, on current form. Yeah, you'd have Scott Pendlebury. Yep. Uh, Lockie Neal. Christian Petrarca and on form. It's yeah, a, the other demon, Ruckman? Well, yeah, Maxi Gorn's going really well. Um, yeah, he'd, that'd be about your top four. There'd be some – that's just off the top of my head. I'd, I'd really, have Dustin Martin and Patrick Dangerfield in there. No, not saying best players. No, no we're, saying, we're saying this, we year, yeah, this year on form. Dusty's working I, into I think, it nicely. No, Dangerfield's he, been has, terrific But he hasn't played weeks. better than those four yet. I'm not saying he won't, but he hasn't played better than those four yet. Pendlebury's dropped off a little bit since Trelaw's come back. When? So Trelaw's come back. Well, so, because Trelaw's getting a lot of the footy. Yeah. But Pendlebury's still having a massive impact. Influence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So th- this is the great thing about mm. it. It's so debatable. But if you look in the if you look in your top ten, Melbourne are going to have at least two players in there. You've got Max Gorn and Christian Petrarca. Mm. You, you missed the question. It was currently at the moment. <laughs> yes. So, and, so and, you, you're trying to make the headline, Dangerfield and Martin aren't in the, in the top four. Here's your headline. Bartel to coach and Bartel doesn't have Dangerfield as elite player. No, 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 no. Dangerfield's been very, very good. good. Okay. Yeah. But we're going on this year. And the thing with Dustin Martin – I don't want to bag him because he's an absolute superstar and, and I love watching him. But we're, uh, the problem is with his Brownlow year, we're comparing him to that year, which was <laughs> no one's had a year like it. Yes, he's still playing extremely well. He's still a, a, an elite performer. But if you put your top five this year, he's not in that top five. Not saying he won't end up the year there, but currently the mo- do, you, do you think he's played better footy Look, than Petrarca? has got his back up. The last two weeks he's been... No, that's not the question. The question was, <laughs> has he played better than this Petrarca? year? This year. The Consistency this every year. game. That, that's what you've got to you, – you can't pick uh, two games that he's played well. You've got to go, okay, he's missed over the well. six, seven games that he's played, he missed a couple of games. He was a bit low in a couple of others. You, you can't say that consistent-wise that he's in the top five. Do you know what? Jimmy's right. He'll probably get there. He's a superstar and we love watching him. But – you just got to go on current form. No, Petrarca's been outstanding. There's no doubt about that. And getting back to your point, the fact that Melbourne has probably got two of the top 10 players in the league in Gorn and Petrarca. If that was an NBA team, that's all you need. But yep. unfortunately, with the footy, you do need depth across the field. Well, you need another 16 other players, <laughs> not three, like in basketball. All right, we'll call it a draw there. <laughs> no, 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 but he's not happy. You're oh, not, he's no. not happy because of his Richmond love. <laughs> and he's like, how on earth Why are can you, you trying to twist it? No, I just was having it. a bit of fun with it when I mentioned. Croft put away the board games. The AFL is back. And so is the tab same game multi where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Victoria, New South Wales and ACT tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Gambler's help 1-800-858-858.
Now, you have been seeing them like beach balls the last couple of weeks. Your best bet won again oh, last I don't, weekend. I don't want to do a best bet this week. I think it's too hard. But it's what your You've fans been on fire. Want. What no, have you got? What's your best? Well, you're not going to like this because I'm picking the Hawks as my best. <laughs> no, I know. I thought long and hard. I thought, is it Port Adelaide against St Kilda? Sometimes when the matches aren't great and St Kilda's match didn't look great, sometimes you can springboard off that. Um, you know, Melbourne against Gold Coast – didn't look amazing, but then they had a real springboard. So I was, I'm a bit worried about that. Is it, um, you know, is it the Lions, the Demons? No, I think that's going to be a close match. Essendon, Adelaide. Well, Adelaide's second half was really good against St Kilda. And they just couldn't hit the scoreboard properly, but they, they probably outplayed St Kilda. So they're going to be at home against Essendon. Do we trust Essendon? And then you got the Hawks and the Swans. The Swans are smashed. Like the Swans are trying. They tried hard last week against the Suns. They're trying. They're undermanned. Like they've virtually got half their reserve side in, you know. And these young kids who are getting a chance, Hawthorne, they just have to win, and and they will win because they've got more experience. Whether or not they bring in a few younger players uh, who can really run and and um, you know take a bit of take some risk coming through and a bit of dash and dare. Um, but I thought long and hard about it. I really do think the Hawks are the best and will win. You remind me of a kid in primary school and they just have to tip their team each week. No, I can I can assure you, I didn't want to. I didn't want to tip them. I really didn't. But I just know what they're like. I know, like, if you take the first quarter out last week, actually take the last quarter out as well. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they don't like playing. Um, they like the SCG. They don't like playing um, at the Giants Stadium. So the Hawks are my best. And I know I'm taking – some convincing here, but I did sleep very restlessly <laughs> thinking about it, but I think they are. I just know I know what I'm going to get. And you're in form, so we'll stick with you again. Hawthorne to beat Sydney this weekend. And we've got Monday's headline. Jimmy Bartel returns to footy as no. an assistant coach. Apart from that, what's Monday's <laughs> headline going to be? Well, I had no idea what Shane was going to go with his best bet. Um, we didn't discuss it. But oh, I, you didn't go the Swans, did you? No. Oh. My, my headline is holding the Hawks. So uh, it's kind of a two-play here. So we're going to have a world record amount of holding the balls because <laughs> any time, the last time these uh, two clubs played, or, you know, Alistair Clarkson had his coffee with Gil and we got a change to the in-the-back rule sort of, <laughs> it was because it was against the Spawns. And then he's uh, had uh, a few words to AFL House. We've had an increase in holding the ball. But also just hold on the Hawks. They'll win. And again, Alistair Clarkson, there's no talk about him moving on. He's won again and everyone will... Praise the genius that he is, Alex the Clarkson, because he's a superstar coach. And just hold on the Hawks. They'll just be sniffing around the eight again. Hey, also, do you know what? I forgot to mention in our top three or four, we should have had Papley in there. I'll tell oh, you yeah, what, how good is he at the moment? I, Hawthorne don't like real nippy forwards. So he's maybe one to have a, have a little sneaky on for a couple of goals because he's just – I know he's kicking goals every week, but – his influence in a side that's really struggling is is unbelievable. And I'll tell you what, Carlton, if they can mm. snaffle him at the end of the year, that is a massive win for them and it's a huge loss for the Swans. Well, well I thought of an, another name too while we are doing it. Travis Boak was my other name. Yep. He's been absolutely super. Top of the table side, the, the Port Adelaide power, he's re, rejuvenated. Quinny's still not happy you don't have Dustin Martin anywhere near the top five. Like, Ooh. he's just – look at him. He's robot. Hang on, you blokes have got 45 <laughs> blokes listed now. We're listing the top four, but Boak has been outstanding <laughs> week in, week out. 
another player that would deserve a premiership and a brown low if he was to get one. And maybe he's a little out of sight, out of mind for us Eastern status. But he's an absolute A-grader and has been for a long time. Lads, love today. Can't wait to do it again. And punters, you've been listening to Tabs Inside 50. Inside 50.